You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I'm very, very excited to announce that today is officially the first day of our new NFL Draft show. It's been uh, pretty chaotic, um, not even so much with this new sort of network expansion thing. I mean, it's it's going well, but the draft is coming up soon, and so I... Um, Really thankful to our new um, two new hosts, Jake Shavink and Mason Thompson, for putting this together on very, very short notice, especially Mason. I've been talking to Jake for some time now, but uh, the last couple days, it's really come together rapidly. So uh, kudos to them for putting together an episode very, very quickly. So uh, do yourself a favor, go find Mason Thompson. That's Thompson22Mason on Twitter. You can tell he's got the big Warhawk in the background, Whitewater guy. You got to like that. And then uh, Jake Shavink is at Jake NFL Draft. Jake's got a YouTube channel. That's actually where I found him. I really liked a lot of the work that he was doing on there. Just kind of had the tone and the feel, you know what I mean? I just thought it would be a really good addition. So be on the lookout for that. So we're going to have our, um, on top of my daily morning show, we've got Monday draft show. Tuesday, we've got Clayton. Wednesday, we've got JJ. JJ and Clayton have also been doing some uh, bonus episodes recently. I think Clayton wants to do that more regularly, at least for now. And uh, if you listen to last night's bonus episode, he was uh, soliciting some feedback. Make sure you listen to that episode. He did a great job diving into um, some history, which is really cool because it's something that we're contemplating breaking into. He's a big history guy. And so we're going we're gonna to start a little segment on his show, just looking at the history, which is, it's great because it's... It's such a fun thing to hear. I'm not even a history guy, but it really is fun to hear these stories and everything else. It was the same thing with um, NFL.com. Maybe they still do. I don't know. I haven't been on NFL.com in a long time, but they used to have features. um, And as much as it really doesn't seem like my thing, I would read them. And it it was was such interesting stuff. But um, again, really trying to not just, you know, get bigger for the sake of getting bigger, but trying to get better. There's so much potential to offer you more and more content and information, but I'm just limited on time. And I've been trying to find different ways to squeeze and and twist myself to offer you more. You know, I'm constantly talking about how I'm not doing enough on Patreon and I'm not doing enough. I, I've got, I've neglected my Facebook group. I used to love being on there all the time. I haven't hardly looked at it recently. Instagram, I don't even open the app. TikTok is like, you know, you talk to anybody. It's like, that's the place to be. And then, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things I could do with that, but I just, I just don't have the time. YouTube is probably the biggest one. I had a, a relatively successful YouTube. At this point, it's useless. Everybody has passed me. But if I had stuck with it at the time, and that it just, it absolutely eats me up, but I just, I just, I don't have time. So um, this, this was a, um, a way for me to be able to find quality content and provide more without having to um, basically just walk away from my job and um, possibly my family. Because <laughs> this stuff takes a lot of time. But I am excited. It's fun to be working with some other people and to uh, kind of get a team together and just adds a new dynamic to things. So 
appreciative to everybody else, excited for sort of the new venture. And also, if you listened to last night, he kind of teased a little bit that we're planning on an NFL draft show. There are some complications with that, but one way or another, we're going to be able to do that. And as he said, we're just that's just kind of the first of many. We've been kind of toying with some other video content ideas, and um, we're going to make sure that we get that going too. But anyways, there's not a whole lot going on um, in the NFL these days. There's, there's talks and there's rumors. Um, apparently, the, with, with the Devontae Parker trade that took place that we talked about yesterday, um, more than likely means the Patriots are going to be moving on from Nikhil Harry. The question is, did the Packers want Nikhil Harry? I, I, you know, I just don't really understand what the purpose of it is. I, I was having a polite discussion with Mr. Negative uh, yesterday, and he's one of the guys that's just go get a proven vet. And trying to get him to answer that question, what does that even mean, is, is not the easiest thing in the world. But the point is, a guy like Nikhil Harry is, quote-unquote, a proven vet insofar as he has proven that he has played. <laughs> but that's it. And I don't really understand giving up any compensation for a guy that has proven that he's just not very good. You know, Nikhil Harry is... The, the risk with the draft is you don't know if guys are going to be really good or really, really not good. The benefit is they're cheap either way, and it doesn't super matter that much. It's weird because we look at it and say, if, we, if, you, if you draft a first-round prospect and he's not good, you are the worst human being on earth. This is terrible. This is a disaster. We are, we are so doomed. But yet we want to go out and actually spend money and use draft capital to acquire guys that have proven already that they're not good at football. They've, uh, Nikhil Harry was already a first-round draft bust. The mistake was already made. I don't understand what the, what the desire is to just, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I don't want to just say the same thing all, all the time every day, but, but w- there has to be some thought behind this. And please don't give me the, yeah, but with Aaron Rodgers. Nikhil Harry had Tom Brady. And again, I don't really buy the yeah, but Aaron Rodgers argument. I don't know that there's ever been any case at any time in, in, in Aaron Rodgers' entire career where somebody was a bad football player, came to Green Bay, and became a great receiver slash tight end. Can you name one human being that's ever happened for? Jimmy Graham came here from Seattle, was significantly worse. Martellus Bennett came here, was significantly worse. Jared Cook came here, he had a, a good run down the stretch, but certainly not the greatest ever. Randall Cobb has come over here from the Texans, did not have a resurgence in his career. Are there any other examples that we can think? Because I cannot think of one time where Aaron Rodgers magically makes wide receivers elite, or tight ends for that matter. So I, I just, I don't see any reason to believe that Nikhil Harry comes over here and suddenly just dominates. And I understand, well, yeah, he's a, he's a big body guy. Look at, look at his dimensions and all. I get that. That's why he was drafted in the first round. But just like Drake London, you know, where, he, you know, he's big, but can he really separate? And can he, can he, can you do that in the NFL, right? It's easier to muscle people in, you know, college than it is in the pros. Um, Traylon Burks, kind of the same concept. Yeah, but can you do, the, you know, what does that translate to to the NFL? And then everybody else is basically, yeah, but they're really small. What does that mean in the NFL? And it's a gamble. But all I'm saying for is, is if, if you already don't pay for a losing lottery ticket, right? If you're going to play the lottery, it's going to be a gamble. Or let's say a scratch-off, right? Lottery, basically nobody wins. A scratch-off, it's a little bit more likely. Less than 50%, but you might get a winner. But if it's already been scratched and there's no money on it, don't pay somebody for it. Or at the very least, what I've always said about the Green Bay Packers is if you're going to add somebody, make sure they're better than the guys we have. MVS and Lazard and that crew that we've had, those, those second tier or third tier, whatever tier you think they're on, um, 
they don't have to be Devontae, but they have to be better than that crew. Nikhil Harry is not. And again, you know, yeah, but we've seen some people come to Green Bay and, and it's just a better fit, like Devondre Campbell or whatever. Okay, fine. But do we have any reason to believe that? It's one of those things where if the Packers do it, we kind of have to assume that maybe that's the situation. But just sitting from where we are now, I, you know, there's no reason to believe that. I have no reason to believe that. I know he fits what the Packers like. But ultimately, what the Packers like are good football players. They just have different understandings of what makes a player a good football player, different criteria, and for different reasons. We like big body guys because we want physicality on our team, and they're also less likely to get injured. But that doesn't mean we like bad big body guys. So I, I'm not, I don't think there's a, a major push for Nikhil. I'm just using him as an example. I did have one person ask about Nikhil. Um, and again, I get it. You know, he's a first-round pick for a reason. But sometimes first-round picks aren't good, and, and you know, that's just, that's just the way it goes. So if we end up trading for Nikhil Harry, then I shrug my shoulders and go, nah, well, whatever, we got something. At least maybe the we need to get a proven vet people will be quiet for a while. I doubt it. They'll just find a reason to hate it because some of these guys, like Mr. Negative, I think just like to complain, but I don't know. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reports the Texans have received multiple calls on wide receiver Brandon Cooks. Quote, Teams have some interest, Fowler added. Quote, he's traded a lot because he's very good and he's very fast. That doesn't make a lot of sense. But uh, the Texans haven't shown any real interest in trading Cooks to this point, even though it makes all the sense in the world on paper because he's a culture fit and a Jack Easterby favorite from the New England days. Cooks is on the final year of his contract from a 2021 renegotiation, and the deal carries $16.2 million cap hit, He'd be a nice finishing piece for a contender if the Texans wanted to deal him. I'm not really going to dig into all that. I'm not going to double-check the cap number or any of that stuff. I'm I'm 93% sure that the Packers are not going to be trading for Brandon Cooks. Um, I think that they are very excited about the potential that they have with the draft picks that they have. I don't think that they want to do any further damage to the salary cap, a cap that is already very stressed, even though the Devontae thing certainly helped us and gave us some breathing room. It's still under some duress, and um, going out and getting high-priced guys, um, I, I just, you know, I don't know, maybe, but I, I just, you just kind of get the vibe at this point. The Packers are certainly more comfortable with the wide receiver room than the fans are. I'm not saying they're okay with it. They certainly want more, but they are not as panicked as we are, and I generally don't think that they're a big fan of, of a lot of the options out there, and to be honest, I don't think I am either. I don't think too many fans are either if they're being honest. If you're being completely honest, I don't think many fans like guys like Nikhil Harry. Brandon Cooks, yeah, but if you if if we assume 16.2 million is the real cap hit for this year, which we absolutely can't afford, which means we would have to give him a brand new contract, which means he is now your long-term wide receiver whether you like it or not, which does not seem like a great idea to me when we were we're we're about to draft the wide receiver of the future. Why are we handcuffing ourselves to a really expensive guy when we're about to get some really cheap talent? I don't you know, I don't understand. It's basically saying I don't trust our ability to find a wide receiver in the draft, which isn't great. I mean, it might be great for this year. If you're a very short-sighted person, then yeah, we can get him a new contract. That contract will make him cheap this year, and then you, you don't have to worry about rookies not having super great rookie years. Although, as I tried to prove that point to you several times, I went out and basically disproved myself by finding like three or four guys every single year, and you know, a good portion of the first-round picks this past several years have been pretty pretty solid producers <laughs> for NFL teams. So, I mean, it's still a crapshoot. Obviously, most of the wide receivers are bad, but it was more than I expected actually produced at a relatively high level. But I, I don't I don't know. It, it doesn't matter. 
People can panic if they want to panic. I'm not going to panic. I'm kind of to the point. I'm. I'm. I shouldn't say as though this hasn't been my point all along. I'm. Um. I have a renewed desire to let's just hammer, and I mean hammer the offensive line, because I really believe, and and I know we're going to add some talent, but it's not going to be Devonte. The question is, where does it lie in between there? But I'm. I'm of the opinion if you just have an elite offensive line. It doesn't matter. If Aaron Rodgers has all day in the pocket and we can run the ball really, really well, we are going to dominate. We are just going to absolutely dominate. Well, not if it's just um, Lazard and Cobb and uh, Amari and some rookies. Yes. Yes, I mean that. That's what I'm saying. First of all, we've done that, in the, but we've won all those games. And that's with an offensive line that cannot run block. I'm saying we will get enough contribution from our rookies, presumably. I mean, it's possible we draft like two or three rookies and they're all just god-awful, which would be horrible. But I think that's more or less the panic in our minds setting in than anything else. So I, I might be back to the point where I think offensive line is the more important thing. Not because we don't have good pieces, but it's not about we have a terrible offensive line. It's about how beneficial it is to have a truly elite offensive line. I'm talking from tackle to tackle. And at full strength, we've got three, I'm sorry, two really good offensive linemen. And that's cool. But the center is unproven. John Runyon is decent, but, you know, we'll see. So there's two kind of like we're comfortable with it, but unsure. And then one sort of, yeah, I don't really know about that. But if we can get at least one more just complete stud. And, I, and, and reading some of what we read yesterday about those tackles, let's just assume everything they said about a couple of those guys is true. Trevor Penning, for example, and it does translate. Big, mean, nasty, violent. You know, I mean, if you if you can keep Rodgers clean and you're just a bully, when it when you know, I mean, in the in the pass game as well, but also just especially in the run game, that is so beneficial. And you get Elton back at some point, hopefully sooner than later. I really hope so. I'm I'm going to be sick if if that's an issue. And and I'm, you know, question marks about David Bakhtiari as well. I guess hopefully that dude has not gotten off his couch in like the last three months, because I want no stress on that knee. I know that's not how physical therapy works. I'm just saying, it, I, I just, he needs to get that fixed. But then add, you know, one or two more for the sake of depth, competition, whatever. I know we've taken a bunch of swings, but I just, I, I can't get past that. If, if, if we have a dominant, dominant offensive line, that is, that is the thing that will catapult us the most of all the things. I think wide receiver is a need, but it's not the thing that's going to catapult us the most. It's really just the, the, the um, it's, it's an area of need insofar as it can be a massive detriment if we don't do a little more. But it's not a matter of if we can get an elite wide receiver that's going to fix everything, because he's still going to be a downgrade from Devontae. We had Devontae last year, and we still didn't win last year. What we need is to fix the actual issue that's been happening when we get to the playoffs and lose, and that is in the trenches. That is our defensive line and our offensive line. Those are the biggest issues that we have. So raise up the, the, the floor for the wide receiver. Get a number one. Doesn't have to be Devontae, but just get a guy. Get, get two guys that you can depend on. But the biggest number one thing in my mind that's going to take this team from, from where they were last year to being an actually even better team, even while going backward at wide receiver, but the team overall getting better, the easiest way in my mind to do that is offensive line. I know that's a boring thing. Nobody cares about offensive line. It's not as exciting as quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs and pass rushers and defensive tackles and cornerbacks because they get picks and safeties even, which are kind of boring, they get picked. Offensive linemen don't do anything cool, except they do everything cool. They're just the foundation of the cool stuff. Every cool pass you've ever seen is because your quarterback wasn't on his back. 
all those great runs that we never see because our running backs get hit at the line of scrimmage. They just just think about A.J. Dillon with a couple holes for one, rather than getting hit at you know at at a, at a half yard down the field and pushing people three yards. I mean, it's exciting seeing him push guys three yards and be like, dude, he's a beast. But how about he doesn't get hit at the line of scrimmage for once in his life? Can you imagine if that guy had some of the holes that like Ezekiel Elliott had when he came into the league and that Dallas offensive line was just dominant and they just bullied everybody? And it, it, it was it was a pick your poison team because Dak was a good quarterback and they had some serious wide receiver weapon, but they could just push you. I mean, you couldn't get to Dak because the offensive line was too good. And Ezekiel Elliott was the running back and he was a good and powerful running back and he could run wherever he wanted to because the offensive line pushed the defensive line back a yard and they were creating holes and Ezekiel Elliott was running all over the place, and Dak could run a little bit, and if they felt like it, they could throw the ball whenever they wanted to. What, what are you supposed to do to stop that? That could be the Packers. So yes, I would like to improve the, the, the wide receiver room, but I really, really, really want an elite offensive line. Not just an elite tackle, and also Elton Jenkins when he comes back is good. We already have two. Dude, I, I know I'm being greedy. I want five. At least four. If we get our two back and Josh Myers takes a step, give me one more. If we're putting Elton Jenkins at tackle, give me just a, just, just give me Josh Sitton. Give me a Josh Sitton or draft a tackle and we have sort of a Josh Sitton and Elton Jenkins. Kind of. Not really, but you know, a really good guard. <sighs> Anyways. Oh, and Dan Snyder's a bad guy. Do you know that? That's kind of old news, right? I mean, from years ago, old news. So the only thing I don't know is what are you, what are you supposed to do about that? I mean, if we get to the point which, first of all, Dan Snyder is some kind of a sociopath. If I was doing all these wrong things and I knew it, not only just like, oh, we, we have some parties that are a little inappropriate and stuff, but like I'm, I'm stealing money. I'm going to run so far from this football team. And by the way, I don't know how this works. They said they found a second set of books. I don't know if that's like a physical book or if they just kind of did an audit and figured it out. But if there's actually a physical anything left, good lord, dude. I would have lit that whole building on fire and just been like, oh, dang, man, that's crazy. It was, we were just about to do the audit and like the entire stadium went up in flames. That's weird. Well, I'll take my insurance check and be on, the, be on my way now. Bye, everybody. This guy has refused to leave. And you can tell everybody kind of wants to push him out. So they're coming for you. And you got all, this, you got all these things that you're doing. Why would you risk more and more? I mean, what else have you been doing that's about to be exposed? Because everything you've done wrong, that's the point. Everything you've done wrong is about to be exposed because people are coming for your head. If you haven't done anything wrong and people are coming for you and you stand your ground, good for you. But you've done all this stuff wrong and you're like, nope, I'm not giving up. This is my team. Kind of just an idiot because all this stuff is not, maybe he's hanging on because he wants to be, you know, if you, if you sell it, then everybody's going to see. So you need to kind of maintain control of it so nobody can see it. But I, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand it but he, he absolutely has to go. I don't exactly know how that works. I mean, you can't, I'm assuming you can't just confiscate a team and hand it to somebody else. I mean, it's, it's his physical property. You can't just be like, oh, I'll be taking this, you know, $5 billion out of your hands and giving it to somebody else. Or we'll sell it to somebody else and we'll just take the proceeds as though you don't own it. I would assume you'd have to force him to sell it and then he would still get the money from that and be on his merry way. Get his $100 fine for being a criminal or whatever, whatever the case is for guys like Dan Snyder. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of just tired of the whole, I mean, I'm, I'm so, maybe we should just dissolve that team and, and do a new team. I don't like anything about Washington. They've never really been a very good team. Not, I mean, just from my recollection, they're always a team that's a little bit better than you thought, but also I kind of forgot they existed. 
So it's like, oh, Washington. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not the Jets, but I, I think about the Jets because they're so bad. It's, it's not even, I just don't think about them. I don't care about them. They're a garbage team representing a garbage portion of our, of our nation, Washington, D.C., which makes complete sense that they are the most corrupt franchise. I mean, they're, they're representing well. I had to call them the freaking Washington football team for like two years, which hurt my soul. Now I got to remember to call them the commanders, and I just don't feel like it. Can we just burn it to the ground? I mean, that's one way we don't, I mean, we don't have to buy his team from him if we just decommission the team, right? That, that isn't a team anymore. And now he still owns the land and the building, and you can sell that to whatever new team. But the actual franchise, it's not a franchise anymore. We have cut that off from the NFL. There is no Washington commanders anymore. Sorry, bye. And then we start up a new team somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know what happens to the bye. It's not going to happen. I just, I don't like Washington at all. And I don't think DC, DC should have a team. We shouldn't. It's just, it's, it's a, it's just, it's trash. I hate to say that about such a historic part of the country, but it's just, it's a cesspool garbage region that doesn't deserve good things. We should take all the monuments and move it somewhere else, like Montana. Like, just move it out in the middle of Montana. They got so much space out there. Just take like 100 acres. Move the monuments out there and just let Washington be just a, a garbage. Just let it be a garbage heap. I mean, literally, we could, we could turn those areas that had monuments into landfills. Then we wouldn't even need to worry as much about, you know, things like term limits. If we had, like, landfills in certain areas, nobody would really be, be tough to have the job. Wouldn't really want to work where it you know, stinks real bad and stuff. Who am I kidding? They make millions doing that. Anyways, um, why don't we just take a break here and then we'll, we'll continue what we started yesterday. We're going to look at what NFL scouts had to say about the top 50 defensive prospects. Again, this is from um, a few weeks ago, and it was uh, at least the, not the article, but the comments were prior to the combine. Um, but again, it really just gives us a, a picture that we're not used to. And as I said yesterday, I think some of the comments made about some of the defenders are even more shocking than what we heard about some of the offensive players. So I'm excited to kind of dig into that a little bit. But first, remember, we've got our GoFundMes. Check out my pinned tweet on, uh, on Twitter, obviously. Trying to help Drew get a seizure service dog. We've got about $3,400 left to go before he can get that, which is going to be an um, absolutely life-changing thing for him. And again, Jamie and Carter's accident fund. Jamie and Carter were um, in an accident, a head-on collision. Both of them were um, taken flight for life to the hospital. Uh, we had a goal of raising $10,000, and we are at $9,040, a truly incredible thing. We're very close to reaching our final goal on that, so if we can get that final push, that would be fantastic. And don't forget a modern frontier where you can buy all of your meat needs, beef, pork, chicken, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Head over to A Modern Frontier, see what suits you. If you're not exactly local, make sure you shoot him a message and just see if he can uh, deliver to your particular location. Don't forget to use promo code uh, MEATPACKER. That's one word, all caps, $25 off your order. That's MEATPACKER. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, 
kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, folks, here we go. The top 50 defensive prospects. Again, there's going to be some changes based on some things, but again, a lot of this is really just perspective. It's not a matter of this is the gospel, which doesn't even make sense because what you're going to hear are differing opinions. Some people say, I love the guy. Some people say he's not that good. So, But again, the point is different scouts have vastly different opinions of guys. It, there's not nearly as much groupthink among scouts as there is among the draft media and draft fans and all that stuff, which most draft fans get their opinions from the draft media and draft media gets their opinions from each other. And a lot of times it's like the top guys end up getting their opinions from what they hear from scouts, which forms their opinion which then forms the rest of the media's opinion, which then forms the fans' opinion, which is actually kind of a hilarious cycle. Let, let, let's just play this out for a sec. Let's do the first prospect, and then we're going to do an example of how this turns into everybody else's opinion and then how this hilariously gets misconstrued on draft night. So again, top 50 players, there's 27 of those that are defensive players, and we're going to start with defensive line. There are seven defensive linemen. We're talking defensive tackles, not edge rushers. Number one on this list is not Jordan Davis. It's my guy, Devontae Wyatt, which makes me super happy because I prefer Devontae Wyatt to Georgia, uh, to Jordan Davis as well. I was basically alone on that until today. But anyways, here's what was said. And again, it's going to be a lot of Bob McGinn commentary. Basically, whenever I say, quote, we're talking about what a scout says. Played overweight in 2020, but parlayed an outstanding 2021 offseason into the best of four seasons for the Bulldogs. Quote, there has been some underachiever to him over the course of his career, one scout said. May have had a, a senior epiphany, probably the best defensive lineman. He's got everything. He's really stout, very strong, can hold a double, dominate a single. He's got rush skill for a big guy. He can play three technique, a one technique, and a four three in multiple positions in a three four. Coming off his best year in every statistical category, quote, physically he's the best of those guys, another scout said of this class of defensive linemen, quote, He's as good as Geno Atkins, three technique. Holy F, is he talented. He can do whatever he wants. Love that dude. One scout said Wyatt has more athletic, uh, is more athletic than Packers' Kenny Clark, but not as stout. Quote, he makes a mess out there, a third scout said. Doesn't have much talent, but plays his you-know-what off. By the way, I'm censoring this. Scouts do not talk like um, they're teaching kindergarten. He's smart. He'll get crushed, but he keeps coming. Not a pass rusher by any stretch. That's a lie. Ener- uh, <laughs> energy tough guy, second round. Again, Massive discrepancies among some of what these guys think and say. Continuing, ran the fastest 40, 477 of the defensive linemen at the Combine in Indianapolis. Also excelled in the jumps with the vert of 29 inches and the broad jump of 9.3. Arm length 32 and 5 eighths inches wasn't impressive. Quote, he's a line of scrimmage guy, a fourth scout said. Plays with high pad level, controls blockers, but doesn't look like he has any pass rush ability. So what I've learned is um, Bob Domofsky likes to um, go in order. So the first scout is always the most, you know, the, the scout that likes them the most. And then as you get down the line, you get the people that like them less and less. But let, let me just play out a scenario real quick before we get to Jordan Davis, who's number two on this list. Let's just say you're Daniel Jeremiah and you talk to the fourth scout, or let's say the third scout. That's the guy you talk to. You, you talk to the third scout and the third scout said, what did he say? Doesn't have much talent, but plays as you know what off. He's smart. He'll get crushed, but he keeps coming. Not a pass rusher by any stretch. 
energy tough guys second round. So I'm Daniel Jeremiah, and I come out with my list, and I I have a you know top 100 list. Usually I just do mock drafts, but let's just say for the sake of thing, you know, or or I do a mock draft, and he gets picked around uh, pick uh, 31. And that this is what he says is generally a reflection of what the scout said. You know, I'll say scouts generally see him as a second round talent, but I've got him going at at 31 here to a team that is needy, you know, needy at the defensive line. Blah 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 blah. Then the rest of the media takes that as gospel, right? And because it's Daniel Jeremiah, and he's very plugged in, and so his opinions are probably the best opinions, and so they're going to be my opinions. And then the rest of the NFL fans see the rest of the media say that that Devontae Wyatt is generally a late first, early second prospect, and that's just where he gets locked in. He's between 25 and 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 35, or, or 40, or whatever. That's, that's sort of his reign. But let's say the first scout is the Packers scout. The guy that said probably the best defensive lineman, he's got everything. He's really stout, very strong, can hold a double, dominate a single. He's got rush skill for a big guy. He can play three technique, a one technique, a four three, multiple positions, and a three four. Or the second guy that said physically he's the best of these guys. He's as good as Geno Atkins, three technique. Holy F is he talented. He can do whatever he wants. Love that dude. Let's say that guy, let's say it's not the Packers scout. Let's say it's whoever's picking at 15, the Eagles or whatever. And they take Devontae Wyatt at 15 everybody's going to say that the Eagles are stupid and they took them too early. Why? Well, because that's what everybody else said. Well, why does everybody else say it? Because Daniel Jeremiah said it. Why did Daniel Jeremiah said it? Because he talked to one scout. Yeah, but it was another scout <laughs> that said something else, and that's why they took him. So it's, it's this big, weird, circular thing where our information comes from the NFL, forms our opinions, and then when the NFL does something different, because, you know, there's 32 different teams with 32 different opinions, we say that that NFL team is stupid because it differs from what some other NFL team thinks. Do you see how ridiculous that is? I think it's, it comes from our misconception that these opinions are actually our opinions. And really, they're not. I would love someday, maybe this is something we could do too, and I'll, I'll, we'll see what's going on with Jake uh, Shavink and some of the other boys, but it might be fun you know, let's just say in the, in the doldrums of the offseason, to really um, put together a list of prospects, 2023 prospects, and just have people rank them. You're going to have undrafted free agents probably ranked at the top of some people's lists. The only reason your list looks so similar to everybody else's list isn't because you and everybody else are just really good scouts. It's because you're just basically mimicking what everybody else says. That's a hundred. There's no way in the world out of like 50 wide receivers, your top five are the exact same top five as everybody else's top five, with the exception of, well, maybe I kind of have George Pickens in there, or I kind of have... BS. If I gave if I gave a, a hundred people in my NFL draft group, and the, the problem is some people will be able to find like, well, what does everybody say about the 2023? And and that'll be sort of what everybody's looks like. But if, if I could do a controlled study where, where you had no access to the internet other than the film that I provide, and you watch 50 wide receivers, they're going to be ranked in such crazy orders. Your opinions are not your opinions. Your opinions are everybody else's opinions that are handed to you with slight variations based on preference. That's how I do it. Again, the fact that I like Devontae Wyatt more than Jordan Davis is not even that crazy. The, the, the benefit of you listening to my podcast is I'm, I'm honest about the fact that I don't know Jack. And so if I really like a fifth-round prospect, I'm just going to tell you this is my favorite guy in the class. I don't care. I'm stupid. What do I care? But a lot of these guys, they care about their reputation, and they don't want to talk about, I mean, with, with rare exception. Uh, Mark Jarvis is one of the guys that gets crucified because he's just brutally honest. And he's had guys that he's, you know, they're generally consensus like fourth round guys. And he said, this is my number one defensive tackle in, on my board. 
And if he's wrong, he needs to tweak his rankings, but at least he's honest about it. But um, again, that, that, the whole thing is just kind of silly to me how we do this. But let's continue, shall we? Then we get Jordan Davis, 6'6 six, six 341. Again, if you talk about Jordan Davis, let's, let me just put this in perspective because not everybody is like super obsessed with the draft like me and everybody else. Jordan Davis is, he, he absolutely crushed the combine. And ever since he did that, some people will fight you if you think that he gets out of the top 10. I generally think guys like Jordan Davis, even the best of the best, they're top 15 at best. You know, guys like um, Vita Vea, and I was a huge Vita Vea fan. I, I liked Vita Vea. I don't like Jordan Davis as much. I haven't, I haven't like watched a, as much of him as I did of Vita Vea, but I was a massive Vita Vea fan. And as I've already pointed out, Vita Vea was a way better pass rusher than Jordan Davis. But, but the point is, if you're a defensive tackle and your main asset is that you're massive and you can take on double teams, you're, you're not really going to go that high, unless people think you're a great pass rusher. But anyways, let's see what the scouts say, because this right here is one of the more shocking things that you're going to hear. Ready? Bob McGinn starts off. Those scouts that expected him to post, quote, freaky testing numbers were right. Again, this is pre-combine, but a lot of scouts kind of knew that he was a freak. His combine included a 47840, a vert of 32 inches, and a broad jump of 10-3. Quote, he's a pretty upper-end athlete, said one scout. He's a 3-4 nose tackle only. He'll go second round. So again, he started off with he's an upper-end athlete. He acknowledges that he's an elite athlete. Still says he's just a nose tackle. He's a second-round guy. Now, do I think he's going to go second round? No. But again, this is the conversations being had in draft war rooms, scouts who are like, eh, second round. Weighed 360 in mid-March 2021, was 370 at one point during his career in Athens. Weight woes are more about his diet than any unwillingness to work. Quote, I wouldn't want him in the first round, a second scout said. But if you want a guy that's just, just that just two gaps and totally controls things, this guy, they don't move him at all. He grabs the guard or center or both of them and tosses them off the side. But I've seen him jump into the A gap and make plays. Looks like he can run too. And he does have power pass rush ability. Finished with seven sacks in his four-year career. Let's, um, I want to pause there for just a second. Again, a second scout Again, a scout that says second round. Again, a scout that says he's athletic. Well, no, he didn't say that, but, but the thing, he's talking about his film. He's talking about his film and says he just two gaps. He just controls a lot, which again, I, I said that. He does a great job as a, as a guy that just doesn't get moved by double teams, and that's awesome. But I don't see why, I, and again, I don't care if you run a fast, I don't need you chasing guys 40 yards down the field. I know that there's more to it than that, but I mean, I, I see him as a dominant run, to, and, and this is what people who are watching his film are saying. He's really good at controlling the line of scrimmage. He can take on double teams. He can play two gaps, super strong, super physical, super dominant. And he's got a little pass rush too, but he's, he's not, you're not drafting him to be a pass rusher, and I've given you the statistics. They're really bad. I mean, for a pass rushing defensive tackle, they're really bad. If you just see him as a nose tackle, then they're fine, I guess. But again, you don't draft a nose tackle, a pure nose tackle, top 15. One of my favorite just completely unnecessary scouting quotes is up next. Quote, he's like that fat, you know what, from Kentucky last year, nose tackle Quentin Bohanna. <laughs> Why would you just call a guy that? A fat <laughs> Anyways, said a third scout, he, Bohanna, actually did pretty good for Dallas. Davis plays a little bit harder than Bohanna. He probably goes second round, but something may stretch it. Three scouts all said second round. And again, even, even if they didn't know exactly how athletic he is and that pushes him up, how much? Based on the tape, he's a second-round pick, and you think because he can run really fast across 40 yards, he's going to go top 12? I'm sorry, that just seems unlikely to me. Three scouts all said second round. 
Quote, he's got the story and everybody loves him, but I just don't know what you do with him in the modern game, a fourth scout said. He plays 10 games uh, He plays ten games a game. I'm guessing that's 10 snaps. He plays 10 snaps a game. He gets in and then you don't see him anymore. He's not in on pass downs. He's a giant, but he has very, very limited skill set. He can kick you-know-what right in front of your face, and he ain't going nowhere else. He's uh, not going tackle to tackle or guard to guard. He's going center to one guard or five plays a game. If you think there's some value in that as a first-rounder, sure, take him. Arms were 34, hands were 10. So even amongst guys that knew he was a great athlete, they're watching his film. They're saying he's, he's just a big nose tackle. That's it. He's not an elite pass rusher, which, again, I've given you those stats. Despite everybody insisting he's an elite pass rusher, there are no statistics to back that up. Now, maybe you can say that you can definitely develop that based on his athleticism. Fine, but I don't know. You know, it's the same thing we said with, uh, you know, TJ Slayton or whatever. Well, he's got some of this that it's like, dude, come on. He, the guy's a massive human being that was drafted to be a nose tackle. Why do we have to make it more than it is? Now, Jordan Davis has athleticism that is beyond what even pass rushing defensive tackles have. So I, I can understand saying that maybe there's something there, but there hasn't been. And again, at his size, that's something else to consider. How many snaps can a human being play like that? He's going to get wore out. Even if he's Aaron Donald, if he's playing 10, 11 snaps, that's not great. So, you know, again, do I think that his uh, testing numbers probably made him go up the boards? Yes, because I even amongst scouts that knew he was athletic, I doubt they knew he was that athletic. But here's the other thing. If this is what they thought about Jordan Davis, and this is what they thought about Devontae Wyatt, in other words, they, they generally thought Devontae Wyatt was better. If Jordan Davis jumped up the boards because of his 40 time and, and his athleticism, what happened to Devontae Wyatt? Devontae Wyatt is almost as freaky as Jordan Davis is on a, on a relative level. Remember, he's actually faster. So if, Devon, if Jordan Davis goes up the board, so did Devontae Wyatt. So I, don't, I still don't see how Jordan Davis ends up higher than Devontae Wyatt if he was higher prior to. Yeah, well, he's old, older. Well, they knew that prior to <laughs> the, the combine. Anyways, third on the list is a guy that I am very excited about, Travis Jones. Um, he's a big human being, just like Jordan Davis is, so there's the same drawbacks to being, you know, that size. But I just kind of generally think he might be a better pass rusher. But I don't know, that's just me. Travis Jones out of Connecticut, re- uh, reported as a freshman weighing a roly-poly 350 before uh, remaking his body at one of America's most down- downtrodden programs. Quote, I was going to write him off easy, one scout said. Big old guy from UConn, this will be quick. But he's got something to him. He grew on me. He's active, tough, knows how to play. He's got some jolt in his hands, won't be a pass rusher, but he's got some walk-back power and effort. Uh, but first round would be rich for me. Quote, a team captain uh, didn't like school but was passionate about football. Quote, he has increased his value immensely, said another scout. He can't go in the first round, but he's, got, uh, he's going in the second round. Underachieved at UConn, but he's pretty talented. He came to the Senior Bowl with a purpose. He's not a great 4-3 fit, but a 3-4 team could take him, a third scout said. This is a strong man. He is impossible to move. He bent people over backwards at the Senior Bowl. For a 330-pound guy, his feet are better than you would give him credit for. He can be a decent first and second down pass rusher, but he's not going to play in sub. So, I mean, th- this is generally what people still think, right? Second round prospect, which again makes sense because it's like he- he's as talented a- as a nose tackle as you're going to get. So for a team that wants a really good nose tackle, this guy's dominant. But again, the problem is I think that's generally the consensus on Jordan Davis. He is an elite nose tackle, but he's still just a nose tackle. Next up, we got Perry and Winfrey. Some really good insights here. Played two seasons for the Sooners after spending two seasons in junior college. Quote, the guy looked awesome at the Senior Bowl. Uh, oh, the guy that looked awesome at the Senior Bowl was the Winfrey kid. 
said one scout. He's stiff and he played a little bit high, but he can run. He's explosive, strong, and he's violent. He can play the run. He can play the pass. He was all over the place. Technique-wise, he's a little raw. He's not a first-rounder, but he'll be in the second round, maybe third. He's got starter talent. He'll get drafted late first or early second, and guess what's going to happen, said another scout. He's going to bust. He doesn't have it within his soul. He's not dialed in and focused. I don't think he's got the intestinal fortitude to stand up and do it every Sunday in the NFL. He's got all that talent. He was a five-star recruit. He's too cool for school. He was much better in the Senior Bowl than during the season. So that's that's kind of an interesting note, too, because this is why you go beyond even, even necessarily the film and some other things. If you watch a guy that doesn't seem to play with heart, and you, you see a guy that struts around with attitude, like he thinks he's just, thinks he's hot stuff. Especially if, and it's interesting because he focused in on the senior bowl and how good he did as somewhat of a negative, and it makes sense. If you don't see a lot of heart game to game, down to down in a football game, and then you see that top end elite senior bowl production, what does that tell you? He can muster it to kind of show you flashes, but he starts to get lazy on, on just a regular base. You know, he, he just doesn't have that, that deep down four-quarter passion, and not just quarter to quarter, but week to week, month to month, year to year. You got to get, you got to find guys that have just this Rashawn Gary type passion. This is my life. I live for this. I, you know, it's my oxygen. A guy that can bear, that, that can muster it for, for one day so that hopefully I get drafted and, 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 you know, early and, and get maximum amount of money. You know, th- this is going to be your Nick Perry type that's going to massively underwhelm and then is going to, you know, in a contract year, going to just dominate, get a massive contract and then fall off again. I'm not necessarily saying that myself. I'm just saying based on what that scout is saying, that's what you see in a guy like Perry and Winfrey. Potentially Preston Smith as well. We'll see what Preston does this year now that he's already kind of got paid and for, for more than just a year. Next up, DeMarvin Leal, kind of just skipping the commentary, getting into the scouting quotes. He's like crazy athletics at one scout. Now, he's more finesse than physical. He's not soft. He's just not violent. But he is super athletic. You wish his motor ran a little hotter sometimes. Played better in 2020 than 2021 for whatever reason. He's got a good chance to go first round. He's just too talented. Really a good player, a second scout said. They played him as a one technique, three technique, and five technique. But he might be best as a five technique. Has pass rush ability, quick hands. I liked him more and more. He's like a two or three play a game flash guy, a third scout said. Unlike the other top guys, he's a low motor. He's low motor. They lined him up all over. Tweener, not productive. I don't think he go he knows how to play. Not much twitch, not much strength. Again, I I keep saying the same thing over and over again, but I absolutely love this. And and it's not just from from team to team, right? You've got some scouts from some teams and some scouts from other teams having completely different opinions of Leal. They all kind of agree, but some some see potential in him, right? He's he's kind of low motor, but man, he's just so athletic. He's got some upside. And even these guys that are talking kind of make it sound like somebody else will take him. It won't be us, but somebody will take him high because of his athleticism. But you got other guys who are like, I don't want to touch this guy. He's a tweener. Tweener as in too much of a defensive tackle to be a pass rusher, too much of a pass rusher to be a defensive tackle. But then it's not just that. You, you, you're going to get into the some of these scouts are going to go back to their own war rooms. They're going to get back with other scouts and their GMs and other personnel guys, and they're going to have arguments amongst themselves. It's not like all the Packers agree, although they, they may have a little bit more agreement because they're you got your primary guy that scouts that region that's going to kind of drive the conversation on a guy like DeMarvin Leal, whoever the Texas A&M guy is. But it, it kind of goes from there. But you're still going to have disagreements. And again, much more disagreement than, than we have. Even the disagreements we have are, are silly, you know, Jordan Davis getting taken at 22. No way he falls that far. Okay, whatever. Next up, Logan Hall. 
kind of an interesting guy that uh, I think I'm not a big fan of this particular type, but I guess it's sort of a uh, a Dean Lowry type, tall, little thinner, more of a, a a pass rush type. I just don't think these guys usually pan out, is my personal opinion. But let's see what the scouts say because that's more important than my opinion. He may be sneaky good, said one scout. 3-4 defensive end. He's got everything. He's really close to the first. 25-35. to 25-35. to 35. I don't know what that means. I'm not sure what he's really close to the first means. He's close to being a first-round pick. Anyways, some people feel he's better than Turner, which was uh, Peyton Turner, a guy that also played for Houston, went to the New Orleans saying, some people feel he's better than Turner, a second scout said. He looks like a five technique, but we think he can play three technique because he's quick and twitchy and can run and overwhelm people with his length. Probably is. I saw him get pushed around so much inside. He can play a little high, a little bit raw, needs some needs a lot of work on his pass rush moves. He's got a chance to go in the second as a talent. There's upside. More of a 3-4 end. Put some weight on, said a third scout. Plays as you know what off. He's a banger. Uh, got some quickness. He fights like all heck. Nice guy to have. Not going to be a playmaker for you, but he's got some gap quickness. He's some of that natural quickness and, and hand use to get He's some of that natural quickness and hand use to get on edges. I don't know what kind of a sentence that is. He's got more natural talent than Trayvon Walker. Now you're just being stupid. But it sounds to me like Logan Hall is sort of the opposite of a Travis Jones. He's only going to be in on pass rushdown. You know, third third and 10, Logan Hall comes in. That's sort of my perception. You absolutely don't have him anywhere near the line. And, and, and here's the thing. The, the problem with Logan Hall is the same problem that you have with guys like Travis Jones. And it's why the, the Packers are not usually really high on guys that are just elite nose tackles or guys that are just like Logan Hall. Um, guys that are just playing one way because if you go into hurry up offense mode, we can't get that guy off the field and we need him because he's a liability. You don't want guys that are liability on passing downs or or running downs, because you can't always get your guys off the field. Anyways, the last guy is Fedarian Mathis. We're still on uh, defensive tackle here. He's just kind of a grunt energy guy, said one scout. Knows how to play being at Alabama. Techniques there, knows how to work angles. Not an ultra-talented player, but he really maximizes what he gives you. He'll start. You can win with him. Alabama has a ton of these guys. He reminds me of Dalvin Tomlinson. Plays as you-know-what off, smart as can be. Sits in there and messes things up. Late first, early second, which... (laughs) it's like, wait a minute. We've only had one guy that we've talked about so far as a first round talent. And all of a sudden he's like, nah, he's okay. First round. Okay. He didn't even start for them at the start of the year. Another scout said they've got so much talent there. I don't think they know what they have until they play. Boy, he's got long arms, perfect size, just a very productive guy, more of a disruptor than a finisher. He has a great motor played across the front for the Crimson Tide, but, uh, his NFL position probably will be nose tackle. Man, would that just be something if Fedarian Mathis was like our pick 28 or something? Really send everybody into a tailspin. All right, let's get into uh, pass rusher here. I am going to skip Aiden Hutchinson because, again, he's way, way um, out of our range. We're also kind of running out of time. Um, I'll also skip Kayvon Thibodeau. If you want to read this, it's over at golong.com, uh, golongtd.com. Um, I think you need a subscription for this. I'm not positive, but um, you can get into those kinds of things if you want. There are some interesting uh, notes. Let me just read the last, you know, the scout that doesn't like Kayvon Thibodeau, which there are those, by the way. He scares the F out of me. All he cares about is uh, branding and marketing, not playing the game of football. He's not my cup of tea. Wait and see. That scout compared him to Arden Key. Arden Key was another guy that was at one point considered like probably potentially a number one overall pick, and he fell clean out of the first round. But anyways, let's start with Trayvon Walker, a guy that I am a massive fan of, but also... Once I did like my grading system and everything, he really scared me because 
the grades are horrible, the stats are horrible. So really, it's just all athletic upside with him, which I, I do think personally, this is before we get to the scouts take, I think personally, he goes very early just based on his really high upside, sort of like Rashawn Gary thing, where you kind of watch the film and the stats and it's like, eh. but you take his upside. And if you can develop that, you've got a great player. But anyways, it's hard to tell with those Georgia guys because they play so disciplined, said one scout. He's a five technique, a disciplined player that may have more pass rush ability than he displayed. Their first thought there is gap control. Let the linebackers make the plays. He always played through the block. He's not explosive, but he does show good pass rush technique. I don't see pass rush besides scheme and effort and toughness, said a second scout. He doesn't have natural kind of movement. I think he's got to be a 3-4 DN, just a banger grunt. He plays physical, heart and hustle guy, second round. Second round. Again, maybe with his athleticism at the combine, nobody thinks this anymore. But again, we're talking about film. And if we're being honest, I mean, what most teams are going to tell you is the film is the most important thing. That's what Brian Gutekunst says. The work that they do during the season, watching the film, that is like 80%. I'm just making up a number, but at the very least, 80% of our assessment is the film. Probably should be more than that. So if these guys are saying second round, I don't think the combine, I mean, it might push you into the first round. I don't think that makes you like a number two overall pick to the Lions. That doesn't mean they don't take them there because I don't know which scouts these are, but I'm just saying. He doesn't have natural kind of movement. I think he's got to be... Oh, I already read that. Where are we at? Pretty good player, a third scout said. Five technique is what he is. Next up, Jermaine Johnson, a guy that I am, as I've mentioned, a really big fan of just because he's just violent. You think Florida State, the program's gone downhill, said one scout, but this guy's a player. He was dominant as the senior, uh, in the senior bowl as a rusher. He was by far the best guy. I'd rather have him than Thibodeau. He can be a 3-4 or 4-3. He's strong, athletic, can run. He's, gr- uh, he's great working his hands and feet together, natural rusher. I can't remember where Burns went to, to Carolina, but this guy's better than him and with every bit as much athleticism, which is funny because I was also a big Burns fan. His stock's rising. He's more talented than the Georgia guy, a second scout said. He reminds me of Jalen Phillips last year. He works over a Quanu at the NC State game. He's good with his hands and technique and moving his body. He's got a lot of natural pass rush moves and explosiveness. More of a leverage kind of guy in the run game, not ultra powerful. Didn't play as well in the regular season as he did in the Senior Bowl, a third scout said. He actually did some things at the Senior Bowl that had everybody going, I got to get my white out. He's got a chance to go in the first. Maybe scouts are just generally more negative. I'm not really sure because I I don't know, aside from Aiden Hutchinson, how many people have like lock. I mean, there's a few wide receivers we talked about. seems like everybody's talking like, eh, maybe he goes first. It's kind of hilarious. Next up, David Ajabo, born in Nigeria, raised in Scotland. He's the flasher, one scout said. This is all upside. What uh, What you think is natural and what you get on film, this guy will be my number one bust guy right now. He does some good things. Other times you think, will he even will he ever figure it out? He lined up wide. He does have off the ball burst. And if he can just run by you, he's good. But that's not the NFL. It's not realistic. Against Georgia, I asked, where is this guy everyone says is going to be a top 10 pick? That's scary. When the coaches know they cannot play this guy because he's going to get destroyed by the run, that's not good. One year wonder. He's a wow athlete, said another scout. Fast, flexible, knee bender, quick, really good body control, but he's a finesse player. He doesn't know the game very well. If you expect this kid to be more than DPR, designated pass rusher, in his first year, you're going to be disappointed. But you could hit on him. He's a good kid. Two scouts said uh, they wouldn't hesitate taking Quiddy Pay, a first-round pick from Michigan as an edge rusher last year, over Ojabo. Athletically, Ojabo can beat your you-know-what in a second said a third scout, but he's not intuitively or instinctively as good as Hutchinson. He's gifted, but his instincts aren't there yet. He's going to be in the first round, but I don't like him. Buyer beware. 
first-year starter as a junior, most of the time they don't succeed in the NFL. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just in love with this article because it's, part of it is just because I'm just punching so many people in the face. Every single obnoxious person that said, if you don't take this guy, you're an idiot. He'll never be there. You have NFL scouts going, nah, he's kind of, he's kind of trash. You, if, if Ojabo's there, you got to take him. I don't care if he doesn't play in the first round. He's elite, 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 because I watched a highlight reel of him. And you got a whole row of like four different scouts going, he flashes, he's got good highlights, but he's going to bust. He sucks. I mean, it's not exactly it, but I mean, that, this is glorious. And look, scouts get stuff wrong too, but these are the authorities. George Karloftis doesn't understand what he doesn't understand yet, but I think he's a smart, he's smart enough to get it, one scout said. Is there a development skill set? Yes, there is. He's tenacious, excellent takeoff. I like a lot how he plays. When he goes against real guys, he kind of gets shut down, which scares the F out of me. He's a good player, but I just don't see first-round talent, said a, a second scout. He's a better 3-4 outside guy, but he could certainly play defensive end in a 4-3. He's got some stiffness to him, more power than speed. He did draw a ton of attention this year. Good player, not special. He's just a big guy, said a third scout. Heavy-footed, not very nimble, not explosive, plotter in space, bull rush-only pass rusher. He can stack against the run, but doesn't have agility or range to get off blocks and make plays. Uh, efforts okay, FBI's okay, football intelligence, but look like a grunt left end. He's A.J. Epinesa. He's not the same guy. He, or he's the same guy, excuse me. Another thing that I'm thinking about reading this, let's just assume that every single thing that we've read is exactly what the Packers think. Trade up for a wide receiver. If every one of these guys is kind of, eh, first-ish, second-ish, if there's like 10 first-round prospects in this class, which, remember, there's only so many guys that are first-round, and maybe this just is the case. I mean, there's obviously 32 guys that are going to go in the first round, but generally there's not 32 guys that have first-round grades. It might be the case that this is a really deep draft class. I mean, I've kind of been saying this the whole time. It's a really deep draft class, but I don't know that it's a top-heavy draft class. What if there's 16 first-round players on your board? Then you package both first-round picks and you move up. Or at the very least, you package a first and a second and move up and trade back with your second pick. But you don't pick at 22 or 28. Go get Drake London and, and be done with it. And again, that, that adds to this dynamic because I don't know what the Packers think. They might have 28 guys that they like in the first round, in which case they're set. They, can, they know they can stay put. I mean, we can move around because there's still tiers within first round. But it just, it, it just adds to the intrigue of it. And it, again, if this is, and I'm sure opinions have changed, but if this is generally where we're at, or you're looking at defensive tackles and edge rushers and going, eh, not a lot of true, 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 true first-round talent. Even the guys that they're saying are first-round talent, they're more or less saying somebody will take them in the first. They're not necessarily saying this guy is worth it. Finally, Drake Jackson out of Southern California. Pass rushers are a premium, so he's got a chance to go in the first. He can run, and he's really athletic. He's like Gumby in terms of flexibility, not a power pass rusher. Plays hard, but he's not real thick. For a 4-3, he needs more strength and power. He can wear down some. He's not physical at all, but he's a really top-notch athlete, another scout said. He doesn't rush the pass rusher, uh, doesn't rush the passer that much. He can drop and play in space. He's a catcher and doesn't shed blocks. Talented, but bad off the field, a third scout said. Teams are going to get scared. Talented, pure finesse. Bad off the field is not great for the Packers. Uh, moving on to linebacker. We've got four linebackers in the top uh, 50. First off, Devin Lloyd, which is kind of the consensus. Let's see what scouts had to say about Mr. Devin Lloyd out of Utah. Not as talented as Devin White, but he's all over the place, one scout said. Just makes plays, explosive as heck. He can cover, he blitzes, he's a Pro Bowl linebacker, never leaves the field, runs the D, he'll stack. He's good people, does it all. They man him up a lot. Top 10 prospect. There you go. We got another true first-round prospect, at least according to one scout. A little bit of a poor man's Darius Leonard, said another scout. 
which is a big endorsement. Long, can run, flexible, plays on his feet, good blitzer, reliable tackler. He's not a thumper. He's more athletic. Uh, he's really good laterally and has uh, and as a space player, but he's not a take-on guy at all, said a third scout. The physical aspect concerns me. He sits there and catches, but he's quick enough to react off the blocks and make the play. There are times when he lets guys push him down. Best in space. I estimate 4.6 to 4.65. He ran a 4.66, which is interesting because if you actually read what Rob Domofsky wrote in here, he says he didn't run a very good 40 time, 4.66. In other words, it was a disappointment to a lot of people. But you've got a scout prior to the to the combine saying what? I estimate he's going to run 4.6 to 4.65. Granted, 4.66 is technically outside of that, but still, it's it that scout's going to look at it and say, yep, I nailed that. They know what these guys are going to do. They're good at their jobs. So mostly ringing endorsements for Devin Lloyd. Next up is Christian Harris, number two, which is, again, exciting for me because I, 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 when I watched Christian Harris, I got, I got fired up. As much as I was dogging the guy because of his PFF grades and everything else, I really liked him. But generally, N'Kobe Dean is seen as the lock number two. Here they have Christian Harris. And again, some scouts, some teams are going to have N'Kobe Dean clear ahead of Christian Harris, but whatever. Continuing, in the modern NFL, you just let him out there and run around and make plays, one scout said. He doesn't have great instincts. Uh, he's a tick off, but he is sudden and he can run and is tough. Plays as you know what off. He's nasty. Um, he will have some flybys. He's not a top breakdown body control guy. More of a straight line explosive. CJ Mosley was more crafty and athletic. Not as explosive as this guy. Mosley had much better instincts too. Uh, Ryan Chazier was a better, more instinctive player than Harris. Top 25 pick. So top 25 pick is what he's saying about Harris. So again, first round talent. And these are, the, these are the same scouts who are saying that Jordan Davis, not really a top 10, or, or excuse me, not a first-round talent, saying Christian Harris is top 25. He's the best I've seen in many years in coverage, said a, a second scout. I don't remember seeing a linebacker play in space like this guy. He covers tight ends all over the field and also picks up some receivers. If he was more physical, he'd definitely be a first-round guy. A third scout ranked him ahead of Lloyd as, every, as an every-down linebacker. I don't see it first round, a fourth scout said. He's from Alabama. Mosley was a rare exception. Most of them don't play. So he's just helmet scouting, which is not great. But there are also reasons why. Uh, Nicobe Dean, first round slam dunk, one scout said. He was the leader of the defense. I got no reservations. I estimate 4-6, a second scout said. Very good player, but he's small. Smart, aggressive, quick. Uh, he had those big defensive linemen to keep people off him. He's like uh, Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa last year. The whole thing is if people care about size. Little guy who is average athletes at a third scout has team production. They cause havoc up front and all the stuff they do, he just kind of runs and cleans stuff up. I just don't see a very talented physical player. He's not a twitch fast guy. He's a build-up guy. Everybody talks about him like he's the greatest thing ever. He's not a great player. I could see third round. <laughs> This is awesome. A fourth scout said he was better than Monty Rice, the undersized Georgia inside linebacker in 2020, who was drafted in the third round by the Titans in 2021. Quote, really good blitzer. That's probably the best thing he did, he said. Speed isn't great for a smaller guy. Good football player might be tapped out physically. At worst, probably a rotational package player, third or fourth round. This is N'Kobe freaking Dean. On top of um, one scout saying first round slam dunk, we have two scouts saying third round. That's wild, man. That's absolutely wild. And again, the, the draft is probably going to go as we expect it to, but it's not because everybody changed their mind, because again, it's really just a matter of one team. So you're kind of just going on what the, the upside is. What, what is the best opinion of, of any team? Now, if that team ends up taking somebody else, then the player could really fall, and that's how you end up getting some players falling. 
if you have two or three teams that really like the guy and everybody else thinks he's a third-round pick, N'Kobe Dean is a potential fall candidate. Not because nobody likes him, and, and presumably he'll go to one of those teams in the second round, but it'll be like, how did he fall? Well, it's because only X amount of teams really, really like the guy as a first-round pick. Some teams thought he was a third-round pick. And so the team that got him in the second is over the moon because they they thought he was a first-round prospect that would never fall to him, and he did. And they're going to say that at the press conference. This guy is a first-round tap, blah, 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 blah. And you got every other team going, good riddance. I wouldn't have touched that guy till the third round. That's just it's such an awesome thing. Um, finally, um, something I'm really excited about because I never really understood why he wasn't higher, but um, Leo Chanel is the only other guy on this list. He's a better player than Dean, said one scout. This guy is all over the darn place. He's Chris Borland, only bigger. Instincts as heck. That's, it doesn't even make sense. He's the old school Mike, really. The concern is the space stuff. You never see him in coverage or space play. You'll have to figure out something to do with this guy. Uh, don't draft him and say, drop back there and cover. Keep this guy coming forward and tearing stuff up. He'll lead a defense. He's got everything I like, said one scout. I'd put him bottom of the second round and somebody will get a real player. I thought I was going to see a Wisconsin linebacker, a third scout said. I was totally shocked. This guy can run. He goes sideline to sideline. I'm not sure what to do with him, a fourth scout said. He's instinctive, strong, tough, really good inside run player, good blitzer, questionable athlete, questionable third down value in coverage, more of a thumper. He's a 3-4 inside guy probably. He's like an old school 4-3 Mike, but he's straight line fast. He's uh, just really stiff in space. But a 3-4 team could draft him in the third. He's got starter makeup. So the cool thing about Chanel is, especially with the fact that he, he actually did run really, really well, some of these teams that already like him but just have question marks look at him and say, we can make this guy, we can teach this guy to cover. He's got the athleticism. You can call him stiff if you want to, but he can move. So there's a general consensus that he's kind of late second, early third, mid third, late third, whatever. But it, again, it just takes one team to see how great he is up front that thinks he can drop too. I guarantee we can make him a good cover guy. And he's going second round. I mean, early second round. Um, for the sake of time, I am going to skip over corner because we generally just don't care. But I do want to touch on safeties before we get out of here because that's something that is um, very, very interesting to us. I am going to talk about Cal Hamilton. He's supposed to be gone, but there is some concern about his his athleticism. So we'll we'll discuss him because there's some potential there. Quote, he's head and shoulders above the rest, said one scout. He's a unicorn, can play any kind of coverage. He's not as good as Sean Taylor, but he's probably just a click down the same hotel chain. My goodness, is that an endorsement? By the way, as I said, I did watch him and I am just you know, I, I don't see the 4-7. I'm not a great judge of, of speed, but I'm watching this guy fly past his own defense. I mean, when you have linebackers running to go get somebody and he flies past that linebacker to go tackle somebody, you know, again, I don't know how fast he ran. I can't tell with my eyes, but I can tell that that is, he covers ground. I it's just, it's, 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 I would have guessed he runs blazing fast. He apparently doesn't, but I, I don't, I don't know how to reconcile that. But that is a heck of an endure. And, and the thing is, you can see he doesn't miss tackles. He's just, I, I love Kyle Hamilton. If he if he drops to 10 and we trade up and get him, I'm 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 going to be beyond excited. You kind of wonder if he's gritty and grimy enough because he's a prep school kid from Atlanta, but he showed this year that he can be. I don't know that he necessarily plays to his size. If you want to knock him, he's a good tackler and tight end eraser. I'd be shocked if he makes it out of the top five. He's Isaiah Simmons, like a reincarnation, another scout said. They keep trying to find places for Simmons to play, but he doesn't have a position. I just don't know where you play Hamilton. You might try him as a linebacker, but he just doesn't have that temperament or the physicality. Cornerback? Absolutely not. They tried to use him there at Cincinnati, but it uh, Cincinnati figured it out quick and threw, him, threw at him until they stopped doing it. You'd have to do box safety, but he's not tough enough guy in the run game. They play him deep sometimes, but he just can't get off the hat. 
He can't flip his hips and moves his feet. Move his feet. He's up and running. Okay, this is such a weird phrasing for everything. It makes it hard to read. They play him as if they think this guy is a is like a brilliant athlete. He's just not a difference maker. See now, to be fair, I didn't like Simmons very much. I never understood the Simmons thing, and I I said that openly, expecting to be wrong, and I absolutely was not. Simmons has done jack squat. So this Simmons uh, comparison doesn't super scare me because I really like Hamilton. I did not at all like Simmons. But it is, again, you do have scouts looking at what is considered a top five pick saying, I don't think he's very good. He's kind of a tweener. He's not good enough to be a safety. And and he's going to be vindicated by a lot of this 40-time stuff because he's saying he's not a sideline to sideline guy. He doesn't have the speed. And you know what? He might be right. So there is some bust potential and there are scouts that will sit back and say, I called it. So anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. There's a couple more quotes, but we got to keep rocking here. Nick Cross is actually next on the list, which is very unusual, but there you go. Um, he's out of Maryland. So he had, he did play with Darnell Savage. It says he moved up into the lineup as a freshman in 2019 after Darnell Savage went number 21 in the draft. Quote, he's a better version of Savage that Green Bay took. <laughs> what? Excuse me? Yes, please. He's just not as experienced. Didn't play organized football until his freshman year of high school. He's a uh, he's talented, but he's kind of raw, the scout said. It shows up a little bit as far as reactions, but the guy's so freaking fast and can make up for it. He's got closing speed, and he'll knock the you-know-what out of you. He's got coverage skills. This guy's going to keep getting better and better. He's a Swiss Army knife. He can play safety and nickel, and I'm not sure he couldn't play corner. See, I got Nick Cross... I got to watch Nick Cross, because the same thing happened with Darnell Savage. There were a pile of guys that were considered good safety prospects. I watched those guys and we took Savage and I'm like, who's that? I didn't, I don't, I didn't watch anything about Savage. I have to go watch Nick Cross because I have not seen him because he's not considered like one of those guys that's, where is Cross on our list here? Consensus big board 130. That's why I haven't watched him. Savage wasn't at 130, but I have got to see his highest rank was 84th. And, um, Mr. Bob McGinn has him second of all safeties within the top 50, presumably second round. I don't know. Maybe first. I don't know. By the way, he did run a 4-3-4 at the combine. Apparently that didn't help his draft stock at all. But if you want to know, if again, a better version of Darnell Savage, how is that possible? He ran a 4-3-4. He's faster. Pretty sure. I don't think Savage ran a 4-3-4. Quote, he's maybe a late first if, if you've got a pretty strong defense and, conti- and good team and you've got a safety that's pretty sharp you know, a guy like Amos and also Savage. So if you're looking for a developmental safety to maybe take over at some point, I don't know, just throwing it out there. This guy's really smart. He hasn't been playing football long. He's got good character. That's the end of the quote. So um, add that to your list of guys to watch. Somebody that nobody's talking about that apparently is, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how stuff like that happens. And again, it's not like this guy was considered a first round pick and then did terribly at the combine and is now at 130. Scouts are saying this is a maybe first round pick and it never moved the needle. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. Lewis Seen out of Georgia. He's the best safety, one scout said. Instinctive, tough, he triggers, more of a downhill box guy. If you keep it in front of him in coverage, he'll jump stuff. He sees it and has a little bit of burst, but off the hash and in deep coverage, that's just not ideal. In the modern NFL, that's tough. More third round. How is that all one thing? He's the he's the best, but also third round. What do you I don't know. Maybe I just didn't understand what I just read. He's a bad mother you-know-what, a second scout said. He's a brick wall. He will knock the you-know-what out of you. thing that was really good about him for a guy that's a killer, he's a pretty good coverage player. He's not a takeaway player, but he's pretty solid in coverage, probably an early second rounder. 
Next up is Daxton Hill. This is the final prospect. Daxton Hill out of Michigan. Yes, that means guys like Jaquan Brisker and whoever else you had in your top 50 at safety are not on this list. Again, that doesn't mean that some players don't have him as like the number one safety or whatever, but based on the guys that um, McGinn talked to, you know, not really. They had to kind of sell him on playing nickel this year, but he was really good at it, said one scout. So he can play nickel or free safety. Physically, I think he can play outside. He can run. He's athletic. He can cover. Uh, he has coverage skills, fairly consistent playing the ball. Needs to get a little bit stronger as a tackle. He is willing. It would surprise me if he got out of the second round. I don't see it with him, a second scout said. He's okay, little tweener guy. He hustles around, but I just don't see as much talent there. He's versatile but he's not really good at anything he does. Coverage, he gets beat. Run support, he plays small. Just kind of average at all of it. He'll be on a team, he'll play. He just looks like one of those uh, just there guys that are playing that are playing mid-rounds. So anyways, that, that again, a lot of what I wanted to do was to provide that level of, of perspective, you know, which is never talked about. In other words, if somebody says Daxton Hill is a first-round pick, second-round pick, or third-round pick, and you say you're an idiot, that's not really fair. First of all, you're saying you're an idiot because you assume nobody thinks that and you're wrong. NFL scouts would not take Daxton Hill in the first or second round. Yes, he's probably going to go in the first or second round, but the point is, the point isn't that somebody won't take him where you think he should go. The point is there are people that are way more intelligent at this football stuff than me, than you, and to every other guy who thinks that, you know, that loves just watching everyone else do mock drafts so they can call you an idiot, that think Daxton Hill is just not a good football player. Next five outside of the top 50, by the way, Arnold Ebiketti, edge rusher, Quay Walker, linebacker, Kyler Gordon, cornerback, shockingly not even top 50. That guy is early second on most boards. Tariq Woolen, cornerback, kind of the opposite spectrum. He's not usually top 50. Boye Mafe, who's very, I mean, he's he's one of the more mocked first-round prospects for the Packers. He's not even top 50 here. So anyways, again, I, uh, I really, really enjoy that. because Anything that can really help me be better at what I'm doing, and I think this really did that, as far as providing me a, a correct perspective on how all this stuff works. Because everybody is just wildly wrong about how we do this stuff with all of our mock drafts and, you know, when we see a guy is is generally around 15, that means he can't go top 10 and he can't go outside of 20. That's so silly. But anyways, I really got to get out of here. I am uh, way behind the eight ball, but you guys have yourselves a great day. Again, make sure to check out last night's episode um, if you haven't got that yet. And also tonight, we've got our, our premiering of our new NFL draft show. So be on the lookout for that. You guys have a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>